same scripture. And as you stand, I'm excited today. Man, the last service we had um, over 250 people around the world in just that one service joining us. Today we have people in places like Virginia, Colorado, Sweden, Arizona, um, Kansas, Alabama, Rosemont, Malibu, Palmdale, all over LA County. People right here in Castaic, Valencia, all over. Come on, put your hands together and welcome your church family. Wow. We're excited that you're with us. And I want you to, even if you're in your home or if you're driving, don't stand. But if you're um, at home, stand. We're going to actually read this verse together and honor the reading of God's word. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. I want everyone to read it together with me out loud. Here we go. The godly are as bold as lions. Man, you know what that tells us? The godly people are bold. He's called us to bold things, to bold prayers, to bold vision. So today I want us to pray. So will you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you for your presence. We know that you are stirring within us boldness. Boldness to believe for big things in 2019. A boldness to pray big prayers. So God, I pray that you would release your spirit and your power, anoint everything spoken, and anoint each one of us to hear and receive it. But we don't want the seed to fall on hard ground, thorny ground. We want it to fall on good ground. So put your hand on your heart. Say this with me. Say, God, prepare me to hear your truth and make me bold. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, man, you may be seated. Woo. Man, I am excited for this weekend. We've been talking about boldness, and we've talked about a, a bold uh, man by the name of Nehemiah. In fact, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. It's the story kind of his memoirs, his journal of what took place and how God did a bold and big thing. He was a bold man and he prayed some bold prayers and he had a bold vision. And the bold vision was to go back, leave working for the king as the king's cupbearer and go back a thousand miles to his city of birth or his ancestry's birth. And that was Jerusalem. The city was broken down. The walls were broken down. People had returned from exile after disobeying God they, they were scattered, but God um, remembered his promise and brought them home. Problem was, is even though they were home, they were surviving, they weren't thriving. How many know sometimes we can survive but not thrive? But how many want to thrive in 2019? Well, they couldn't, and here's why. Because the walls had been broken down. The enemy could attack. They were exposed. And so God gave this big vision to Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the city. And we're believing that through this series... You and I are going to be stirred to pray bold prayers like he did. We talked about that for two weeks. You can go back and listen to that if you want to catch up. But we also have been talking about the bold vision that God's put in his heart. And we're going to speak about that today and next weekend. And then we're going to shift in the month of February to another area of boldness that we're going to see in the book of Nehemiah. What I believe is that God has called us to rebuild the walls because many of us, like the children of Israel, we, we've accepted Christ, we now have his presence, we're back at the place of Jerusalem, was the presence of God, the temple, we have his presence, but there are some broken things in our lives, some areas that we still have access that the enemy is using to hinder us from being and doing what God has called us to do. And so last week, we realized and learned that God has a bold vision for us. He's a, he's a big God. In fact, our theme verse is this as a church, is that God can do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask, dream, or imagine. He's a next level God. He wants to take you to the next level. He wants to do big and bold things in your life. And so there's a scripture that talks about vision. We talked about it last week. It's found in Proverbs, and it says this. It says, where there is no, what's the word? Where there's no vision, people what? 
perish. That means to, to run wild or cast off restraint. In other words, we end up wandering here and there and not moving forward into what God has for us because of the lack of vision. And so God is stirring our hearts to enter 2019 with bold prayers and bold vision. And so last week we learned what bold vision looks like. As we go through the book of Nehemiah, we learned last week that if you're going to have a bold vision, you need to understand that bold vision understands timing. It's about the timing of God. He has a plan for you, but the Bible says that the vision will be accomplished at the appointed time. And so we learned about things like that sometimes we need to wait. We need to not just say the vision, we need to wait. We need to pray it before we say it, right? We learned things like that. We learned that maybe one reason why we hold the vision for a while and pray it through is because we don't want to give the enemy a heads up or we don't want to give the critic a platform. And so this week, we're not going to talk about timing. We're going to talk about the next part, and that is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. The big bumper sticker this weekend is bold vision knows how to communicate. So it's not just about when, it's about speaking and proclaiming and declaring the vision. So I want to talk to you, and it's going to be real practical this weekend, real practical, because many of us have visions. Maybe the vision for you is that this year you're going to get out of debt or a plan over the next couple years to get out of debt, and that's what you feel God's stirring in your heart, and that's bold, that's big. Maybe for some of you, it's that you're going to see a reconciliation in a a relationship with someone in, in your family. Maybe the bold vision for you is that this year you're going to maybe get a new job or you're going to go back to school or, or God's giving you things. And so how do we now understand God's timing and how do we speak and declare the vision? You know, God would declare things and through his declaration, things were done. The world was created because God spoke that vision. He spoke it out and the Bible says that out of nothing through his words, he said, let there be light and there was light. And so we need to learn to declare the things that God is putting in our heart. It's interesting because when we talk about this, how many know that when it comes to communicating, people communicate differently? Come on, how many know men and women communicate differently? And all the women were saying amen really loud because here's the thing, women tend to be, um, speak more words than men do. Traditionally, I think it's somewhere around 28,000 words a day is what a woman will speak and a man will speak around 12 to 14,000 words a day. I mean, they're just different. I'll give you an example. I was listening to a comedian the other day, and he was talking about this. He said, listen, ladies, you got to understand your men. They're just different than you. He said, for instance, if some guys are on their way to a party or something like that, two guys are in the car, they're driving down the road, and suddenly they miss the turn, and, and, and they, they go past where they're supposed to turn, and so the guy in the car who's there with them, what does he say? He's like, dude, you just missed the turn. And then the guy who's driving is like, yeah, sorry, dude, my bad. He said, then that's it. It's over. You go down the road, you flip a you, you go. So now if it's two women in the car or if it's a husband with his wife, it goes down totally different. You miss the turn and then suddenly the wife in the seat is like, what are you doing? Didn't you pull up the GPS before we left? Wait, what's going on? I don't understand. Why are we going this way? We need to go. We got to get there. We're going to be, I don't even want to go anymore. Come on, I haven't ever been there. I, got, I, I just got a headache. I have a headache right now. I'm just giving you ladies a hard time. I'm teasing. I mean, we communicate differently. And the reality is, is that when we read this story, we discover some principles for sharing or communicating the vision. Because we need this. So let's go to the, the first idea. Let, let's read through the story again and look at it now through the context of declaring our visions, communicating the vision. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. 
I had not told anybody about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. So he, we learned that last week. He hadn't talked about the vision yet. He was holding the vision, right? After dark, I went out to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. So he begins to look at the gates that were torn down, the walls that were broken. Let me say, next week, you don't want to miss it. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. I know you're going to be so excited that the Rams are going to win that you might not want to come to church. Do you have any Ram fans? Okay. So I know you're going to be excited that the Rams are going to defeat the, the, the Patriots, but um, you got to come because next week we're going to look at the walls and the gates. And we're going to realize that those walls and those gates may actually be things that God's trying to point to some things in our lives when it comes to God's vision. Now things can break down and how we build those things back up. So we're going to talk about that next week. So he says, I look at the gates. And then verse 16, he said, but the city officials did not know that I'd been out there, what I was doing, because once again, I had not told them anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, to the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now, now we get into the part where he starts to talk the vision, to share the vision, communicate it. But now, I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so the good work began. In this passage, there are five principles that when it comes to you sharing vision, because listen, if you as a, maybe as the wife or the husband, you feel like that financially you got to get things back on track, you're going to have to share that. You're going to have to get people to buy into that. Your spouse is going to have to buy into it. Your family's going to have to understand. And so how do you share the vision? Five things are here in this passage, and it's real practical stuff, okay? Not super deep, but it's powerful. Number one, if you're going to share the vision, how do you do it? Number one, you share it in person. You share the vision in person. Look at what, he, what it says. It says, but now I said to them. He waits to talk about it until he's now with them. After he's looked at the city, after he's moved in, after he's now someone who lives in Jerusalem, now he begins to, in person, share the vision. How many know that it's sometimes in the world we live in with our phones, it's easy to not talk in person, but just DM somebody or text somebody or email somebody. But how many know sometimes with a text message, it can, what you're really trying to say can kind of get lost in translation, Right? In fact, how many of you have ever been texting like two or three people kind of at the same time, and then suddenly you're like, no, and you sent the wrong thing to a different person? And then they're like, what? And you're like, sorry, that was for someone else. I had this lost in translation thing happen. My wife and I, I had a doctor's appointment, and I were doing some stuff. And so when I was going to the doctor, she was going with me because we're going to take off after and and go on a trip. Uh, I was going to do some ministry somewhere, and so... We get to the doctor's office, and as we're getting out of the car, she's like, hey, where, where's my phone? So we look, and she, her phone, she, she didn't have it. She's like, I think I left it at the house. I'm like, well, no problem. Why don't you, while I'm doing my doctor's appointment, you go back to the house, pick it up, come back, and then we'll take off on our trip. I should be done. Works out perfect. She's like, okay, I'll go. So I give her the keys. She takes off. Well, while I'm waiting for my doctor's appointment, suddenly my phone buzzes, and there's a text, and it says, can you get on Find My iPhone? Because I can't find the phone. How many of you, how many of you have seen the Find My Phone app that, that's connected to your iPhones? Is that not like the most incredible technology in the world? 
Come on, for you forgetful people, if you don't know about it, you need to Google Find My Phone, iPhone. It's incredible because you can literally look and see when you go on there exactly where the phone is. And you can even make it sound so you can hear it. So she's like, can you do the, find my iPhone? I'm like, sure. And she said, go on and tell, tell me where it is. Can you see? And so I look and I'm like, I think it's, it's in the street. And she's, no, no, I said, no, no, I think it's in the yard. It looks like it's in the yard. And she's like, well, I'm in the yard. I can't, I don't see it. I've been looking around. Now, some of you are saying, why would the phone be in the yard? Well, before we left, I noticed that she had put her coffee and her bag on top of the car before we got in. So my thought was maybe the phone was on top. And as I, you know, very quickly pulled out of the driveway, <laughs> maybe it flew off and landed in the, in the grass. So I'm like, well, it's got to be there. It looks like, I'm like, no, 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 wait a minute. And I'm like, you know, it looks like it's actually on the, on the it looks like it's by the, the garage. And she's like, but, well, that's weird because I'm by the garage. How many of you know I'm going somewhere with this? So then she's like, I'm like, well, no, 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 it's not at the garage. It's by the front door. She's like, I, I, I actually am at the front door. I don't see it here. And she's like, I don't understand this. And I'm like, I don't understand this either. And like, we're, I'm like, and so then I'm like, oh, it's across the street. She's like, whoa, hold on a second. I'm across the street. She's like, do you think that it's actually following my iPad instead of my phone? And that's exactly what was happening the whole time. I was leading her to herself. So I'm like, go in the house and grab the phone and call me. And so she does. And it was by talking together that we actually figured out where the phone was, which was in her closet. You know, it's interesting because there's a verse in the Bible and it says this. It says, the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure, for there is a proper time and procedure for everything. I got to tell you, when it comes to vision, here's what you need to understand. There's a lot of us that are trying to see a vision take place, but our problem is, is that we don't take the time to sit down in person and share the vision. Maybe God spoke to you that, you know, you've got a problem with that individual. There's conflict in your relationship, so you need to deal with it. So we get a vision, and uh, rather than maybe waiting for the right time or, or whatever, instead of saying, hey, let's sit down, I want to talk to you, we say, well, I'll just text him and take care of it. The next thing you know, we're texting him and say, hey, I know we had a problem, and I want you to know. And then the next thing you know is on the other side, you get a text back that sounds like they're angry at you. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I was apologizing. But on the other side, they're like, did you see how condescending it was what they said to me right now? Because so many things are lost in translation. I think that Nehemiah made the decision, I'm not sending a letter, I'm not sending an email, I'm going to show up and I'm going to talk to them face to face because here's what the Bible says, out of the heart the mouth speaks, not out of the heart the phone speaks. And how many times have we lost the ability to bring the conflict to resolution? How many times have we struggled with getting people to get excited about what God has put in our heart? And it's because we thought that, well, if we just send a text or if we we just send that email. Listen, if God's given you a vision for your school, don't send an email with the idea to your principal. Set up an appointment with your principal. If you've got a conflict with someone and you feel like God's saying that you're going to restore that conflict, don't send them a text. Take them out to coffee. And I'm going to tell you, when it comes to vision, if you're going to see God do what he's called you to do, if you're going to follow the principles of Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, listen, here's what you do with vision, is share it in person. Come on, somebody say, share it in person. 
The second thing is, not only do you share it in person, but secondly, you speak from experience. You speak from experience. Notice, when he shows up to town, look what he says. Now, he hadn't showed up to town, and when he showed up to town, called everybody to his house and said, guys, we need to rebuild the walls and all of that. Instead, he went out and he looked at the walls himself. He now lives in the city. He's now started turning, you know, he got his, his uh, electricity and all his utilities turned on, and he's, he's taken his kids to the school, and he's met all the teachers, and, and now he's got a life there with them, having experienced what they experienced, and then what does he say? Hey, guys, you know very well that, what's the next word, what trouble we are in. I think one of the biggest problems people have with vision is they're quick to give their input. I can't tell you how many people will show up to church like this, and they'll come in, and they'll, they'll be looking for a church, and, and you know how many know when you're looking for a church, you're, you see everything. And so they show up, and they're like, you know, this is a pretty cool church, you know, you did a great message today, you know, but you know, I was, I've been to several churches. And I noticed a few things, and then they pull out their list. You know, I was watching your ushers when they were ushing. And I was at such and such church, and they were ushering a little different than yours were ushering, and, and, then, and then they started giving you all their input. And, you know, we're so quick, even with our vision, when we have a vision for our family to change, or our marriage to change, or our finances to change, or our, our job environment to change, you know what we're ready to do? We're so quick to give our input. But can I give you a little thought? It's simply this. Guys, if you bring that quote up for me. Unsolicited advice is what people call Criticism. Unsolicited advice is what people call criticism. The point I'm making is that we're so quick to give everybody our input and our advice without the relationship. Because you see, if Nehemiah would have showed up and started telling them everything or he'd sent the letter ahead of time, here's what would probably have gone through their minds. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Come on. You don't know what we've gone through. You don't know what it's like to live in Jerusalem. You don't know what it's like to go to work and the wall is exposed right there and I'm, the enemy could attack and take everything I have. You don't know what we've, we've gone through. You don't know the challenges that we've faced. And you know what God is teaching us in this is, listen, if you want to have some reconciliation with that family member, if you want to see a breakthrough or if you want to see that thing happen on your, your campus or if you want to see that, that thing take place in your business that you have, then you get down in the middle of it and you understand what's going on. Maybe the greatest influence that you could have, maybe for the ushers, is how about become an usher? And through being a part and building relationship and experiencing what it really is like to live in Jerusalem with broken walls, suddenly now God will give your voice an influence. The Bible says a man's gift makes room for him and brings it before great people. It's so easy. Maybe you're the boss and you're so quick to fix everything, but you've never really sat down and listened to what's going on. You've never spent a day where they're going through what they're going through. You see, not only do you share it in person, but you share from experience. Come on, y'all with me, say amen. amen. I told you, this is real practical, simple stuff. But maybe it's the key to God fulfilling the vision, the bold vision he's put in your heart. Let me give you the, the third thing. The third thing is, the, if you're going to do it, when you share the vision, give the why before the what. 
Give the why before the what. Look at what happens. Is he shows up, and this is what he says. He says, guys, listen. Now, he's about ready to tell them, we need to rebuild the walls of the city. But before he says we're going to rebuild the walls of the city, before he tells them the what, he tells them the why. Guys, Jerusalem is messed up. It lies in ruins. And its gates are destroyed by fire. We're exposed to the enemy. I mean, this place is a mess. You know what kind of trouble we're in. You understand that, that people are, are, are in danger, that we're not living to our best because of all the things that have taken place. And he starts to tell them the why before he ever tells them the what. You know, I got to be honest with you. As a parent, I hate the word why. Come on, how many parents know what I'm talking about? How many parents wish you had a, a dollar for every time your kids said Why? Why? Well, you know, we're going to... Why? Come on, I know when your kids say it, it's like five octaves higher and it's like 10 decibels louder in your mind. It just hurts right there. Why? And then, then what do you do? You do the thing that you said you'd never do. You say what your parents said, because I said so, that's Why? Because, you know, that really helps. Yeah. <laughs> Problem is, that's what we do with vision. Because I said so. Because I want to do this. And one of the things we find in leadership, a good leader, a visionary, they start with, hey, let, me tell you, let me tell you about something. I'm going to tell you, when you focus on the why you probably won't have to worry about the what. Because now people want to be a part of the what. Because they know the why. You know, it's interesting. This is a church. This church, we really believe that God is calling us to bold vision. We've always been bold. We've always believed for big things. And one of the things I'm so excited about is that we're getting ready to open a, a new building called Kid Venture. And this building is literally, it's a cross between Disneyland meets the, the, the Chick-fil-A um, playland. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's awesome with Jesus all in the middle of it. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I'm telling you that it's a place where kids are going to learn to live out God's adventures. And I believe that we're going to have people coming from all over this region coming because they know this is a place with our, it's our explorers, which is our special needs and additional needs ministries, where they're going to come and their kids are going to be blessed and taken care of. Or their kids are going to come and get excited to know that God has a, a, a vision for their life and that they're going to live out those adventures. We're going to see people raised up. I mean, it's going to be incredible. But here's the thing, we've already grown. This church is growing. I mean, this service, the services have been packed out here in this month, and we haven't even opened that building yet. When we open that building, I think God's going to just send more people because you're going to get excited. Your, your neighbors that aren't Christians that have kids, you're going to be like, you've got to come to Kid Venture. It's awesome. And we'll go to Chick-fil-A afterwards, which means we'll have to go on Saturday instead of on Sunday. Church is growing, and as we begin to grow... We began praying about, because we knew that God has called us to plant um, campuses. Because here's the point, we're, we're going to run out of space. And so I'll never forget it. A while back, I was praying and like, God, what are you saying? You know, we're growing. We've got to have more seats. You know, we've got four services right now. Our, our online campus is booming. Our campuses are growing. We're going to need more space. And so I start thinking and praying, well, God, what do you want to do? And we think, well, we can tear out the back wall and we can put in some, you know, seating back there, theater seating, 400 seats. And, and uh, you know, and I started looking at the cost and this is millions of dollars. And I'm like, well, we've got to make space to have more room for more people. And, 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 I, and then as I began to pray, I started looking at our, our numbers and statistics and 
And, and then I, I was reminded of some prophetic words that God had called us to plant churches and, and, uh, and to plant campuses. And, and then and as I began to look, I realized that there was this, this uh, prophetic word which says that God was going to open up a campus in the east. And as I began looking at that, I started looking at our demographics. And as I looked at the demographics, if everybody showed up that, that has like gives to higher vision and their families, we'd have 5,000 people here. And as I began to look at the statistics, I discovered that half of our valley's population is, is these places, Valencia, Saugus, Castaic, Stevenson Ranch, and Newhall. 100,000 people. The other 100,000 are in the middle to the east, which is canyon country. And when I looked at the numbers, 3,300 people in our valley come to higher vision from Valencia, Saugus, Castaic, Newhall, and Stevenson Ranch. And 700 people come from Canyon Country. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We're not, we've got 100,000 people in this valley, and we're not reaching the, the near as many over there as we're reaching over here. And why is that? Well, because people have to drive. A lot of people don't want to drive 25 minutes to church. It's, it's too far for them. And so I started thinking, I'm like, God, well, wait a minute. If we, if we, we, we could spend millions of dollars to make it bigger, but what about those people over there that aren't going to drive? What if, but what if we went to them? What if we took the gospel to them? What if we shared the love of Jesus with them? Or instead of driving 25 minutes, they could fi- just drive five minutes and We've got people over there that could help us plant this new campus. And then I started looking at the numbers and I realized that to do a new campus, it was just a few hundred thousand dollars instead of millions, like three and a half million to expand this campus. Now I could literally grow this campus seating by 700 seats for a fraction of the money, go to a part of the city where we could have Nine, you know, 99,600 or 99,400 people that don't know Jesus, or a lot of them don't know Jesus, we could see that side of the city explode. Lives could be changed. Family members could be transformed. Everything could change in Canyon Country. And so we began praying, we began stirring, and that's one of our visions is in the near future, whether it's in the, the middle of the summer, we're going to do some services, test services over there. We're looking in the fall and the new year to start a campus there. In fact, it's amazing to hear people are starting to get excited. I've met with the leadership and see, here's the thing. I, I'm not telling you the what, I'm telling you the why. Because there's people on your block. How many, let me ask this question. How many live in Canyon Country? Raise your hand. Imagine if you didn't drive 25 minutes. Imagine if you could tell your neighbor, hey, let's go five minutes around the corner. I want to take you to my church. And here's the thing. I've already made the commitment that as we launch this thing, I'm going to be there live. We're not going to do video on the beginning of this. See, what's interesting is when you focus on the why, you usually don't have to worry about the what. Every time I've shared this vision, people from Candy Country come. They're like, Pastor, I know it's a little different, but man, I love that idea because I've been trying to get my friend to church and they just don't want to drive that far. Man, this whole side of the valley needs a higher vision over here. You see, when we'll share the why, I believe God will help us with the what. Somebody say amen. Amen. So share in person. Share from experience. Share the why before you share the what. And then the, the fourth thing is value the team. Value the team. Look at what he says. Nehemiah shows up, he's sharing the vision, and then he says, you guys know very well what trouble, what's the next word? We are in. 
They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. You see, Nehemiah immediately switched it to, listen, it's not about me building a wall. It's about us building the wall because we is better than me. I mean, team can stand for together. Everyone achieves more. You'll never experience the best. You'll never have the most when you don't have people around you. That's why we want you to be in circles, in relationship, because there's power in we. One can chase 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. God steps into the middle of people who are united together. He blesses when we get together as we. You know, what's amazing in this story is this, is that as he shared the vision with the leaders and then the people, we discovered that in 52 days they rebuilt the wall, which is miraculous. Next week, I'm going to show you pictures of the, where the wall was and where the gates are. They had 38 different leaders eight different vocations, seven different villages sending volunteers, families, kids, everyone got involved in rebuilding the wall, and because they did, they saved the city. I want to tell you something. You need to understand that when it comes to vision, when it comes to God's kingdom, that it's not just about the church at higher vision Well, it is about the church at Higher Vision because the church isn't the building. It's you. We are the church. And here's the point, is that the wall can't be built without you. You know why? Because if you read through the story in chapter 3, here's what happens. The Bible says this. It says, the priests began to build, and the next to them, so-and-so began to build, and the next to them, so-and-so began to build, and the next to them, by the fish gate, so-and-so began to build. And they all began to build. Here's why. Because everybody lived near some place in the wall. So there was some brokenness close to them. So what they said is, I'm going to work on the brokenness in my backyard, and I'm going to rebuild my backyard, because if I can rebuild my backyard, and if my neighbor can rebuild his backyard, and if his neighbor can rebuild his backyard, there's not going to be one place where the enemy has access into this city. See, the point is, is that God wants to build you up and bring your vision to pass, and he wants you to be a part, because there's value in we. In fact, could it be that We really can't be whole and complete until you join the team because there'll be a hole in the wall. So he says, guess what? We can do this. And I want to tell you something. You can do it. But Pastor Jared, I'm not a builder. I'm not a mason. I don't know how to do it. I I haven't gone to Bible college. Listen, God gave Nehemiah the grace and the wisdom to empower. You see, that's why I'm here. You may not know this, but I'm here to help you build. The Bible says that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the fivefold gift was given to the church not to do the ministry. It says to equip the saints to do the ministry. So you come to church so that I can do my job, which is to help you, equip you to build the wall in your backyard and to expand the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody say amen. So I want to give you the last thought. You don't just share it in person and share from experience. You don't just tell the why before the what. You don't just value the team. But lastly, you point to the favor of God and his authority. You point to God's favor and authority. I love how he shares all the things in this passage, and then he ends his his pitch, his vision, sharing the vision with this. And then 
I told them about the gracious hand of God and how he had his hand on my life and had been with me and about my conversation with the king. See, what he did is he said, hey, listen, guys, I know that this seems like a big task. I know that it seems difficult, but you've got to understand something. God's with us on this thing. Because God's favor is on me. I, I was the cupbearer of the king, but he gave me all the money. He gave me all the authority. He gave me all the power to come and rebuild the walls. Listen, God is with us. His hand is on us. I'm going to tell you, see, when you begin to have bold prayers and God begins to pour vision into your heart, and then you begin to pray it before you say it, what happens is he begins to give you the plan, and then suddenly you start to see little things happening to show you the favor of God. Can I tell you that with Canyon Country Campus, when we open that up, I'm already seeing the favor of God. Can I tell you what's really cool is that there's a lot of uh, churches that have tried to do campuses over there, and they never could find a place to meet. And the places that you would want to go have said no. Well, guess what? We haven't even made it official yet. We haven't even started yet. We haven't even started working on our leaders and getting people committed. But I just happened to run into a guy who's on the board of a school district who sat down with me, and then he sat down with the person in charge and said that you're going to make this happen for them. Even though you've said no to everybody else, you make it happen for them. And now we're set up to go meet with them, and they're working on a plan, and God's opening a door because God has the key of David, which can open doors that no man can open and close no doors. Because God is with us. I love every week to tell the story when we have the beginning of Growth Track. And I want to encourage you, go to Growth Track. Because the first week, I tell you our story. And we have seen, we're sitting in a building that the city said you can't use as a church. In fact, we're the only church in a facility that we own that belongs to God on the west side of the freeway of the Santa Clarita Valley. Why? Because God can do it. God's favor was on it. And I'm telling you, if you've got a vision, God can give you the authority and the favor to fulfill the vision that he has for you. Come on, somebody say amen. Some of you are like, he's getting his angry elf on today. It's not angry, it's, it's passion. You see, I'm going to end with this. I feel like God has told me this weekend to be Nehemiah. So you say, what do you mean? He told me to be a Nehemiah because here's the thing. I, I, I just believe I showed up to a place where there are some people that have some broken things. Some broken dreams. And here's what you think. You think, Pastor Jared, you don't understand. I, I've struggled financially for years. You know, I didn't go to college, and I'm getting a little older in my age now. And, and I, don't, I don't know that I'll ever break through. I don't know that we'll ever get out of debt. I don't know that we'll ever go to the next level. You, it's kind of too late for me. You, you see, this will never happen for me. And, and you're sitting there thinking it can't be done. There's no way. It's just never going to happen. But but you know what? When, when Nehemiah showed up, I have a feeling here's what he did. I believe when they started saying, but you know, the walls are broken down. It's like, I know the walls are broken down, but God has his favor on us. In fact, let me show you. I got some letters I need to show you. They're letters from the king. And he grabs out of his little satchel and he pulls out the letter. And he says, look at this. It's got the, the wax seal, the red wax seal of the king. And you know what this letter says? This letter says that they have to give us the lumber to build the wall. And well, let me show you another letter. He reaches in his bag and he pulls out another one. He says, look at this seal. This is a letter from the king. And here's what it says, that we have authority that the governors of this region can't stop us. We're going to build this wall. That's, that's, I believe, what he began to do. And this morning, if you're here and you're saying there's no way that 
Things are going to ever change for me. You don't know how bad it's been for me. Well, I've got good news today because I, I happen to realize that I've got a letter for you. I, I showed up this morning, and here's what the letter says. In fact, it's from a king, not just any king, by the way. It's the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. And, and here's what he said. In fact, his is sealed not with some wax. It's sealed with the blood of his son who died on a cross and has authority. And here's what he says. His name is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God shall provide. Provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You have the authority to walk in his favor and his blessings because I've got, I've got the letter right here. So somebody here is saying, well, but, but you don't know, Pastor Jared. I, I've, been, I've been struggling with addiction for 12 years. It's, it's got a hold of me. and I, 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 I've gone to every program. I've done the 12 steps. I've done them so many times. I'm in the hundreds now. It'll never, it's never going to change for me. I, I mean, I appreciate the, the idea to dare to believe that God has something big for me, but it's not going to happen. But I got to tell you something. Let me show you something. I got a letter for you here. And then here's what it tells me. It tells me that him who the sun sets free is free indeed. In fact, Jesus stood up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to set the captives free. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what your past says. I've got a letter that says something different. And here's what it's says, you are more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than, than he that is in the world. God can do his work in you because you've been given the power, the authority. You have what you need to fulfill what God has placed in your life. Guys, it's time to have bold vision. Maybe some of you need to start grabbing that letter. I need to grab that letter and you need to start speaking it out. That's why it's called the sword of the spirit. A sword is no good if you don't swing it. And what does it say? The sword of the spirit is the word of God. So maybe we need to swing the sword. Maybe we need to declare and start to speak the vision. Some of you are struggling physically. Maybe you've got cancer. Maybe you should do like my father did for 17 years. He beat cancer. Why? Because he kept grabbing that letter and saying, I declare, according to the scripture, that I will not die, but I will fulfill the work of God in my life. By his stripes, I am healed. Don't be discouraged today. Nehemiah is here. And his voice is ringing. The words of God are ringing through him. And he's saying, God has a vision for you. And here's the good news. He's given you the authority. He's given you the power to see him do great above and beyond, exceedingly beyond what you could even imagine in your life. I feel the Holy Spirit in this room right now. I want you to close your eyes.